Welcome, welcome, welcome to Walking Through Glass, the podcast where you are invited to ear hustle on an intimate conversation between real women as they discuss their journeys, joys, and diva hacks. I am your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, executive coach, international best-selling author, and bold woman walking through glass every day. Walking Through Glass, the podcast is not about breaking through the glass ceiling. It is about the struggle we face on our journey, which I describe as walking through the glass. Our conscious conversations are all about real talk with real women that are doing their best to navigate fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems. And today on the show, we have an amazing amazing guest coming to you. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Sue. As a John Maxwell certified coach, speaker, and trainer, she works with individuals or groups on a one-to-one basis. She's so aware of the mistakes that we all make that hold us back because she's been there. Through her story of loss and grief, she is able to inspire motivate and encourage anyone that has lost their hope and purpose in life and help them rediscover their unique inner strength and gift because she did it. She's done that. She's a survivor of suicide. After losing her firstborn child, she had to rebuild her life again. She had to challenge herself to change her mindset so that she was still able to see the beauty in life and continue on her journey and adding value to other people's lives. Life is a journey of highs and lows. We can't always control everything that will happen to us along our life journey, but what we can control is our minds and how we deal with challenging events. That's a premise that Sue lives by. Every day, she knows and shares that we are given a choice. We can choose to live our best lives in spite of where we find ourselves, or we can choose to live in fear. So, without further ado, I'd love to invite Sue to share with you. Hi, Sue. Let me make sure you're all muted. How are you? I'm fine. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a massive honor. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It was so good. I could. It was just like. I was so excited to get to the point. I feel like I wanted to race through the intro just so I can get to you faster for you to just kind of say hello. And and even though that I shared just a tidbit, a fraction of who you are with the listening audience, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share a little bit more about you. Give us more about Sue. Give us a little bit more, Sue. Right. So I'm from the UK South London's finest. I always say that because London is a big place, but the real best, best, best place is South London. South Londoners were built of strong strength. I am a mum of three, even though one of my children, my eldest one that you um, read in the uh, intro, uh, took her own life. 
Um, and so I have two more children. I have a 14-year-old who is absolutely amazing and her little brother, who's nine, I have a gorgeous husband. I come from a huge family. I'm Nigerian, so our family is just huge. I <laughs> like we are a tribe. I'm not even joking. We There's are nine in my family. I get it. I right. have eight. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> we, you, well, you know what it's like. We are a massive tribe, and I really got into um, personal development when I um, did my certification course um, with John Maxwell in 2016. And what really um, made me want to go on this personal development journey was because prior to me uh, meeting my husband, I was actually a single mum of my um, late daughter. And that whole journey of being a single mum, being on benefits, which would be welfare for um, yourselves and living in subsidised housing, which is our council estate, I just, something within me just felt like there has to be more to my life than this. This cannot be where my life will end. I cannot envision myself living like this hand to mouth, expecting the government to give me this little check, this little bit of money that I could barely live off. So I literally wheeled myself into getting a university degree, getting a great job, buying my first house and really started to build my life and then start to show and then start to show my daughter that, you know, it doesn't matter where you start off in life. It's where you decide to go in life and you have ample opportunity to achieve and live your best life if you decide to make those choices for yourself. You don't have to wait for someone to say, okay, here you go, get up, and this is here for you. Even wealthy people, they still have to work hard because your talent will only get you so far. If you have that kind of mindset where you're just thinking, okay, I'm really talented at something and that is enough. Someone underneath you that has a growth mindset that chooses to work hard will outpace you and take over that current position. So that was really my motivating factor. And that's what really led me on the journey of personal development and really getting to meet different people and, and understand why they have all of these limiting self-belief and why they just have almost like a pity party amongst themselves where they're they're too they're too scared to really dare to dream or you know step out of their comfort zone because we get cocooned into a certain a, a certain way of thinking about ourselves we just think okay this is my lot in life and I don't deserve to achieve this and it doesn't always have to be a financial success because I always say that success is subjective. Success can mean anything to anybody. So if your success just means, you know, being able to get up and go to work, then you are actually successful. But if you aspire to achieve more than that, then it's incumbent on you to achieve that and try and live your life to the best of your ability. Wow. I mean, like, Wow, there's so many like golden like nuggets <laughs> in that. And there are so many pieces to that that I definitely want to to discuss. But I wanted to go back to what I love to ask as my initial question. Mm. So the name of the show, of course, is Walking Through Glass. <laughs> mm. And I know why and where it came from. But I thought it would be very interesting and informative for me to ask guests. When you hear the term walking through glass, what does that, how does that resonate with you? What does that mean? What do you, what does that make you think about when you hear the term walking through glass? For me, walking, walking through glass, for me personally, it really symbolizes every stage of me trying to achieve something 
great for myself. And at every stage, when someone in my world or outside of my world had said, no, you can't do this, or society said, no, you're not allowed in this room, or you cannot go through this door. That to me, because you're trying desperately to fight against everything that is telling you, especially especially as a black woman, okay? Now, race is not massive for us here in the UK, but it does exist, you know? And so, yeah. for, and so for me, walking through that, that, that invisible glass that each step that you take is painful and it's painful because you're fighting against your inner self. You're fighting against yourself telling you, mm, you know, probably shouldn't do that. I'm not qualified to do that. You know, I should just stay here. But each time you decide to take that little step, it's going to hurt. But when mm-hmm. you take that step, you feel so much better for it. You lick your wounds and you move forward. And that also involves failing along the way. It also involves receiving a ton of no's that will crush your confidence along the way. But you still, but something with inside of you, there's a little inner voice that's inside of you. And that voice is your gift trying to come out. That is your, that is the real you that you fight against. And so that glass, walking through that glass is you trying to get to the other side. And that is something that I have done my entire life. And more especially now, while, especially now when I'm in this new phase, this new chapter of my life, navigating grief, navigating loss in such a horrific way. That's what walking through glass means to me. Wow. That's just so powerful. And, and like that aha that I, I had while you were explaining is that our glass changes along the way. It absolutely and does. Shatter new pieces. And recently, as I was preparing for a move, I broke a couple of glasses and it hit home to me, metaphorically and literally. <laughs> it's those little bitty pieces and those jagged edges that mm-hmm. cut the deep mm-hmm. and are the most painful. Mm-hmm. And that it's not the big giant mug or cup or whatever that it's the little shards, mm. the ones that you almost didn't see, mm-hmm. the place where you put your hand and you was it was almost like microscopic. Mm. And for me, when I began to consider the title, the focus, and the accompanying guidebook that'll be um, published later this year, um, Walking Through Glass, the guidebook on how to be saying sexy and significant. Amen. <laughs> um, <laughs> that and, and why I named the show is that I was driving one day and I was coming back from a woman's event and I wasn't speaking at that particular one. I was doing maybe a focus group, et cetera, facilitating. Mm-hmm. And women kept talking about breaking through the glass ceiling and here's how to do your power pose. Here's how to be in the room and, and be dominant. And I just kept hearing that over and over again. And something in my spirit just kept going unsettled when I was driving because the same women, when I had private conversations with them, their private conversations wouldn't tell how they were afraid. They had anxiety. They felt like mm. that they didn't believe in themselves, that they questioned their ability. And I said, why aren't we talking about that? Exactly. Why aren't we about getting into the room when many of you can get in the room it's when you're in the room you need to learn how to walk through the glass exactly and that's how this was born is that how do you walk through that how do i continue and and when you were sharing i could visually see how through different seasons and stages of your life the glass changes it's not about whether it's half full or half empty it's how many pieces and how do I navigate around the ones, the, the big chunks I see, but it's those little shards that are invisible that kind of tear away at me and can cut me to the quick. And that tends to deal with our belief systems, our mindset, what we're saying to ourselves, what we're speaking into our life and who we're allowing to speak into our life. And so as you were sharing that, it's it's got to be, it's got to be something that we become more conscious of 
Because how do you deal with, like, again, you never expected or thought that you would be dealing with the grief aspect of losing your oldest child, you know, after coming through so many other journeys and challenges mm-hmm. to get to what you thought would be now we're now we're on easy street. Now the, the way is clear. Exactly. And now here's a big picture that's been shattered right in front of you. And I mean, it was wow. shattered in the most, so, you know, like, honestly, words fail me because she was, she was 22, first of all, right? And she had graduated with first class honours. Again, what an absolute honour. What's her name? What's her name? Her name? Yes. Her name was Geneva, as in the city in Switzerland. So G-E-N-E-V-A. I ask you that to share her name because as long as we speak their name, their memory, their legacy, their presence continues to live on and inspires us. Mm. And it's, it's, there's power in the name. There's healing in the name. There's power in the name. And so I meant to, I wrote myself a note to say, ask her her name. Yeah. I never read the reason why I, um, I don't like saying her name. It's, it's only because, I don't want anyone to feel a sense of, oh, you know, poor Sue, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor of what's happened. And I say that because, I say that because when we found her and then we had to, you know, go through the planning the funeral, going to court and all of the other um things that you have to go through here in the UK when uh, someone does take their own life. It was, it was at a, a, um, a family therapy group that my husband and I went to and we had gone into this meeting, this therapy group filled with other families that were going through the exact same issues and sadness and loss that we were going through And while we were there, I was just observing how each, how everybody was telling their stories and how recent or not so recent, because my my husband and I, we were the most recent family. And it was, and it was the way they were all talking about their loss. Now they, and now there were families there that had lost a loved one five years deep into their grief. 10 years deep into their grief, two years deep into their grief. And it was looking at the shadow of who they were now. And I was trying to remember or imagine what their lives would, you know, what their lives looked like prior to them going through what they're going through. And it was just immense sorrow and sadness. And I just, and it was at that it was at that very meeting that something inside of me, if if it hadn't already clicked, it clicked then that this is not me. I do not want to be a shadow of my former self. Yes, this has happened to me, but I don't have to be that experience, and I definitely don't need to have this experience now be a cloud over the rest of my life. How can I turn this horrific? tragedy into a positive because the thing is here's the thing whatever we go through in life okay there's always a positive we don't always see the positives we can never ever see the hope we can never hold on to the faith and believe that we can get through this and you know you don't have to lose a loved one you definitely don't need you know you definitely don't have to lose a child but the but the loss and our emotions are more or less the same because it's something that is personal to us and it is affecting us on a day-to-day basis. And so when people say, oh, you know what, life goes on, you know, God knows best, all of that is, yeah, all of that is nonsense and it's true at the same time in the sense, yes, your life will go on. But now 
you are in a unique position as to how you want your life to look like. So you've got, so now you have a blank book, like a blank journal, right? And you've opened it. And now you're saying to yourself, and you have, and you have to arrive at this by yourself. Something needs to click inside you where you have to say, this has happened to me. There isn't any reason for it per se, because, you know, you're thinking, why me? Because that's exactly what I felt. Like, why me? Why on earth would this happen to me? Like, it wasn't love that she didn't have. It wasn't money that she didn't have. Why? 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 How can my firstborn child, this child that I had struggled, dragged us out of the gutter of poverty, and now this? And it weren't like she had any kind of mental health issues growing up as a child. There weren't, you know, there was nothing in her childhood into teen, into her being a teenager, then a young adolescent going off to university, nothing whatsoever, nothing. And yeah, this is nothing, no signs whatsoever. She was, you know, as I said, um, she was basically me just a beautiful social butterfly. And if you look at her pictures, she is actually a carbon copy of me. You know, so there, so there's nothing, 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 nothing. Because if there had been, then I probably would have felt, I probably would have felt, okay, there's something like this was always going to happen because she struggled for such a long time. And, you know, there's nothing I can do about it you know, but that was, but that was never my testimony. So here, so here we are, I'm sitting, my husband and I were sitting around and we're listening to all these stories and they're, these are broken, broken, broken parents, broken siblings, and they cannot shift past. They cannot still see that life is still a beautiful privilege, irrespective of the grief that you are going through. It is still life. And you have to arrive at that decision at that point and say to and say to yourself, yes, this has happened, but I now want my new life to look like this. And it doesn't mean that you forget what has happened to you. You now get an opportunity to live your life through that loved one. So Geneva, she ain't, you know, she, how is she ever going to be forgotten? As, you know, I live and breathe. She's got siblings. She has a whole family. So she is in each and every one of us. So her memory will never, ever, ever go. But does that mean I should now be, you know, be like Queen Victoria and just wear black and wear black all day for the rest of my life? Why? I I would be doing my I'll be doing myself an injustice. I'll be doing my faith as a Christian an injustice. If you know when 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 things happen, and that's you know, when when bad things happen to us, okay, that it's so important to have a strong positive belief system. Now you don't have to be you don't have to be religious, okay, but if you're not, believe in something that is good that will help you to be able to wake up each day and still have a spirit of gratitude for your life. Because you wait, you know, because you waste, you waste your life. Your life is still going on. And I'm not saying that, that there weren't times because I fought long and hard. I kid you not. I would sit in our ensuite on the bathroom floor. I'd lock the door. And I would think of a million ways how I can just end my life because the thought of me waking up every day, knowing that I'm never going to hear her voice again. I can hear my entire family in the house. My husband's family flew in from Italy. So now I've got Italians in my house as well. (laughs) 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 I had to talk on that because the visual... You know, yeah. <laughs> they have 
families too, and they're very, you know, strong. Yeah, and, and they're and yeah. they're mated, you know. Yeah. And none of them speak a word of English, okay? So right away there, we've got this huge language barrier. They're grieving, they're crying in Italian, okay. I've got my I've got, I've got my I've got my family, the young, the old, the needy, the weak, everybody. They're all there. And I'm saying to myself, so, you know, and I'm having an open monologue with myself in my bathroom whilst I'm crying. And I'm saying to myself, well, do you really want to do this to yourself? Can you not hear what suicide has done to your family? So, well, so go on then, go on then, take your own life. How's that going to work out for you? And I'm having these conversations and then I'm remembering my vision the life that I want for myself. I'm remembering my vision board. I'm remembering everything that I want, that I'm working hard for. And I'm the, and I'm the sort of person that I am a little bit selfish. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't, I haven't lived yet. I have not accomplished what I want to accomplish. I still want to see my two other children, you know, reach and grow into beautiful adults I want to I want to carry my grandbabies and be that grandparent but does that mean but does that mean I'm now going to forget about what's happened no 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 because the one thing the one thing that I've learned is that you can go to therapy but I don't think therapy is good to talk but it doesn't really give you the strategies per se for you to say, okay, I will not feel guilty for smiling again. I will not feel guilty for, you know, looking good. That part, that's the part that I was sitting here, you know, because your story is so impactful and powerful. And each question that I have, it's like you lead right into it and you answer <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this is so good i'm good at and my job <laughs> you are phenomenal at your your job we're going to talk about that in a minute too but there's two pieces there that i wanted to to address one is the guilt piece and one i think is like the mom guilt mm. and asking yourself what could i have done how come i didn't see because as I heard you say, there was nothing, there was nothing. But at the back of our mind, subconsciously, as a mom, do you ask yourself, but did, did I miss it though? Was it, yeah. but did I miss it? Was it, but did I miss it? And so even though we can say that and we keep repeating it, do we truly at the heart of it, believe it? Because as a mom, it's like, I should have known. Yeah, I felt that, I felt like that for the longest time. But then I realized it was just my brain. Got it. Just playing trick. You know, it, honestly, I felt that for the longest time. And I just, I, I arrived at, I arrived at, the, at the conclusion that I am simply searching for answers to make, to make it feel better. Because this is the thing with suicide. It is a different level of loss and grief, right? Yeah. If your child or someone close to you passes away from a terminal illness, you've you've got a bit of you've got a bit of notice, right? You know right. that this is this illness is terminal. Can't do anything more. You know, get your get your house in order, get your affairs in order. And, you know, you, you have that, you've, you've got that period of time to wind down and get used to the idea that this, my loved one, my baby is no more. We've done everything that we could possibly do. And this is it, right? If, if your loved one suddenly passes away either by an accident, road traffic accident, or whatever the case may be, you can pinpoint the cause of that death and you can have a small amount of peace because you know that that death did not occur by their own hands. Right. Okay. If your child is murdered, then obviously your attention and your focus and your, your anger and everything else is, a, is focused on the perpetrator of that horrific crime. So you you know you've got you've got a little bit of peace there because you know you want justice now, didn't you? But 
But when your child... Yeah, exactly. But when your child takes their own life and you are now asking yourself, why would my child want to leave me? Why? Those questions, if you allow it to consume your mind, because what you've got to remember, our brain is like Google. It's always searching for a problem. And if you ask your brain the wrong questions, which are why this, why that, and it will find the answers for you, but they're, but they're, all, but they're all going to be negative answers. It's almost like when you go and you diagnose yourself and you think you got some ailments and then you exactly. And by That's the time you're done, you are dying from eight different unknown rare diseases. Never even heard of them before. Exactly. Exactly. That is, that is our mind. When the Bible says that an idle man is the devil man's workshop, okay, it's not a joke. That is your mind. When you're just idle, you allow all sorts of negative things to to come to the surface. Things that things that you never even knew you could even think of. But there goes your brain. You type you type it in just like you're doing a Google search, and your brain will flip through the file of faxes in your mind and give you all of these negative answers. Every er, everything things that things that you didn't even think of, it will find that. So for me. I realized that I need to stop asking myself negative questions and I need to fill my mind with empowering questions that counter all of the negative questions that I'm asking myself. And that's exactly what I did. I literally brainwashed myself because it's very, very easy on a day to day, on any given day, if you're not mindful, we are being brainwashed with everything. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, you have to be able to stand up with inside of you and say to yourself, no, 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 this is not helping me. What am I gaining? My emotions are getting carried away with me now. I am justified in my loss. I am justified in me feeling sad, but there was nothing I could have done because as a mum, you know good and well, if there was something you could do to protect your child, who wouldn't want to do it? You would. Right. It's a natural instinct. We are, as women, as mothers, we are the closest thing to God. We are the givers of life. And our job is to nurture our children, put enough goodness inside of them so that they can go off and live their best life. But what I've realized is that our kids don't really belong to us. We're just their custodians. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And, and what I was reminded when I was dealing with some challenges and what to do, and I was concerned about, you know, my role as a mom, as a parent, et cetera, for Xavier. And I was reminded that God doesn't have grandchildren. No. <laughs> We're, no. He's there for his father too. And, and so when I had to deal with some grief and loss, and I wanted to speak to that because in 2017, I lost my very dead body friend. And I, she was my co-parent, my sister, my, mm-hmm. her, my everything. And it was unexpected and stuff, but it was ex- unexpected. But yet there was a level of expectation there because I knew something was off, but I wasn't expecting her to, to die at such an early age. And she mm-hmm. was what, 42 at the time. And I just remember asking God saying, you know, I'm so sad and people would want to come to you. And, you know, and I, I remember writing, I got to go find those blog posts that I did of here's the things that you, what not to say or what to say when someone's Uh, grieving. And I did a whole post on what to say and, and how to support people who are grieving. And people would ask me, are you okay? And I'd say, no, but I will be, I'm working on it. And I said, I remember asking God every day, I said, just please make me miss her a little less and smile Mm. a little bit more. Mm. I said, that's all I can ask. And people would say, I am still sad and it's okay to be sad. I don't have to go joy, joy. And I am a woman of faith. And so I, there shouldn't be an expectation, number one, either A, that I grieve incessantly or that I'm, you know, instantaneously happy. Mm. And I remember... 
um, the minister who did the, um, the service and he said something to us. He said, who are you really grieving them or you? Mm. Because if you truly believe God is who he says he is, <laughs> then they're in a better place. So it's really you that yeah, you're, you're, you need to <laughs> consult. No, it's, it's true. It's, it was great. It was, it was just so many realizations. And so when I think about your situation and I love your journey, I love your journey and how you lay out the beautiful road you took, the highs, the lows, the valleys, the nooks, the crannies, the meadows, the turbulent waters, the rapids, and then the river flow to get to your right now. And I know as a coach and I know as an extremely eloquent speaker and leader and a teacher, how do you help your clients begin to navigate whether it's the grief or the losses in their life mm. or even the up level their mindsets so that they are truly living their best life today? What I, what I tend to, it's a great question. What I tend to do is I want to get my clients to, because oftentimes we're not facing that fear. It's uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable for us. And it's, even harder when we're talking about grief and loss because we haven't fully got to the stage where we're okay with it because nobody really talks about death in society it's just an uncomfortable thing to talk about so what I always do is I get them to ask themselves and write down what is what how are you feeling right now write it down. And you often find that once you start writing it down, you start to really release all of that inner tension and you can start to address each emotion step by step. There can be no healing. You cannot change your mindset unless you are prepared to really get to the root cause of what is triggering you to think the way that you're thinking. Because when you think about something, then your brain starts to send those messages down and you start acting. You can't take action if you're not feeling good. You know, once you start, once you start feeling good and you're in a better place, because I always like to say, there are two states of, um, we're in two states, we're either happy or we're sad. And it's okay to transition between both of them. So if you're sad from a loss, you know, you're thinking about it, it could be a song, it could be that person's favorite meal and you suddenly find yourself feeling sad. When you get to that stage, I always, t I always say to my clients, write down how you're feeling. How did that make you feel? Why did it make you feel like that? And once they start to get into the habit of asking themselves empowering questions to counter that feeling, only then does the healing process start. We don't do enough, we don't do enough self-analyzing of why we feel a certain type of way. We just pull it down to, oh, I'm having a bad day. Why are you having a bad day? What is the cause? There's always an underlying issue for every emotion that we're feeling. Once you get into the habit and once you, and once you learn how to really identify what is causing that, that emotion to surface, then you can start to work and start building on your mindset. And that's how I like to work. Wow. And I definitely want to make sure before we, and, and I definitely don't want that to get cut short because I know there's listeners out there who are dealing with loss and grief and who, whether it's a child, whether it's a family member and whether maybe it's them, themselves who, who may be going through some things mm. um, and they're going to want to reach out and connect with you. What is the best way to connect with you um, in order to, whether to do a consultation, to hire you as a coach, as you can hear, you are a wealth, 
I mean, like, <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because you're fellow John Maxwell River. You are literally extraordinary. Oh, and, thank you. And I know that you are placed here to help people transform their lives. I know that you were placed here because everything that we've been through is compost for our growth. Mm. And as your experiences, there are some people out there who need you, who when you speak, the sound of your voice is really what they've been waiting for. How do those people get a hold of you? So at the moment, I think the best way is to um, get onto my Instagram page, which is at SG Consultancy, or they can send me an email at suguidieri.com, sue at suguidieri.com, which you're going to have to, because uh, I'm, you know, I've got a a strong Italian name, which incidentally means our surname actually means warrior. So who go figure. <laughs> Amazing balls. Amazing balls. And I there there are so many takeaways that I know those of you listening are gonna want to replay, listen again, <laughs> listen again, <laughs> write things down. Cause I know I was jotting things down. I have to say, okay. And the melodic sound of your voice and the oh. richness of the content you were sharing, literally, there, there's so many life lessons in there. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I hope my accent's, I hope my accent's not too Englishified. Oh, <laughs> there's no such thing. But I wanted to leave our listener with, if you had to give them one nugget to be able to shift to be able to move past what they're mixed into to get to their next grader. What is that one nugget that you can give them that they can take action on pretty much immediately to make a shift, to get on the right track, to begin to, you know, smooth their pathway or gird their feet as they walk through the glass. What would that nugget be? That one nugget. Hmm, there's so many, but I think I would this decide just say to yourself i've been feeling like this for the longest time and it hasn't got me anywhere i'm going to decide to stand up within myself and choose to be happy that's just simply it mm i love that yeah just literally say to yourself, I've been feeling like this, sad, happy, sad, happy, but I'm going to decide to stand up within myself, find who I am, this, that inner strength that we all have, but never, ever, ever use. I'm going to decide today to use it. And I'm going to decide to be happy. And when you arrive at that point, then that's when change. Because what because what you've done, you've opened the door a little bit, and you're now willing to receive that help and support, and receive tools and strategies that will carry you forward for the rest of your life. Is it going to be easy? No, 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 it's not. Because you're going to constantly fight within yourself because it's going to be painful because you're going to have to learn how to think differently about yourself. You're going to have to be, you're going to have to stand in the mirror, look yourself in your eyeballs and start, <laughs> yeah, have, a, you know, because, you know, like, yeah. honest, like, honestly, how often do we actually stand in the mirror and really, really look at ourselves? The only time we ever look at ourselves, we're just looking to see if we look good when our makeup's right. done. If there's, if there's a pimple on our face, has, you know, has, has my eyelash fallen off? I've spent, you know, like 50 pounds on these individual lashes. I've woke up and there's like, there's like 10 of them on my pillowcase. That's the only time. Does my hair look good? But we never, ever, ever look ourselves dead in the eye 
and find, go into, look ourselves and go into our inner soul and find that, that warrior that is behind your eyes, that is there, that reflection staring back at you. We don't do that. And that's the reason why there's so many broken people that on the outside, they look good, but inside they're not. Real, real healing, real inner strength comes from within. That's why you have to be able to stand up within yourself and say to yourself, I am going, I want to be happy. I decide to be happy and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And you open that little and you open that door and suddenly you start to receive the help and healing that everybody should 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 always always try and receive Mm, that's just so good I mean like that is just so 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 good and and listening you know to you and I I know that there's a special place in heaven for women (laughs) 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 I know there's a super special place there's like a super spa section right Amen. Amen. Listen, we're going to do tissue massages. Amen. We are going to be right up next to the teachers because teachers across the world have keys to the penthouse and I'm going to be standing right next to them as well. And yeah, and the spa will be on level 560. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And, And like I said, and listening, you know, to you and, and, just marinating on some of the things that I've experienced in my own life and where I'm at too Mm. and and why it's so important and why I know that it is part of my calling to help women begin to share Mm. their stories and live their truth. Amen. And the lead her shift movement is a hundred percent designed to help women get out of their head so that they can learn, experience, apply, and develop Mm. to do that. And one of the things that I note that we tend to do as women is that we will have a whole conversation, dialogue. We will try ourselves. We will convict ourselves (laughs) in our head. But here's what I do know is that the same inner voice and inner critic and bully, I call mm. her Heffa, mm. that you could not, would not, should not, will be not, you have the same power and authority to say, I can, I will, I did, now what? Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. And that is and that is you standing up within yourself yes. and shutting down that voice. Yes. Well, I keep saying after I finish the guidebook for walking through glass, which will be out soon. Stay no, stay tuned, people. Amen. My next book and the title of my TED talk will be "Shut Up, Papa." Because "Shut Up, Papa" is who the f is they? They yeah. is you, and it's time to shut the they up. Yep. And that they is that inner bully, that inner critic. <laughs> and so you need to shut her up. And I happen to name mine, and her name is Heffa. And so I go toe to with Heffa sometimes when she's trying to tell me this or that. And I'm like, no, not today, Craig, not today, Heffa, because this is what I'm going to do. And you have to make the unconscious conscious. Because if you're trying to fight that inner critic on the inside, she or he will win every time. Every time. They know things that happened to you before you knew what happened to you. Exactly. You've got to bring it onto your playing field and make the unconscious conscious, which is why I speak out loud. And so when I'm feeling overly guilty, when I'm going through what I call, I'm grieving, because we may not just be grieving a person. Mm. We can be grieving the loss of relationships. Amen. We can be grieving, just like I said, all sorts of things of jobs, of experiences, you know, cause grief is real. It is. So when I start telling myself a woe is me story, which is a lie, I then have to go have a situation with Heffa. Mm. And I'm like, okay, Heffa, I heard you, but you know what? That's not the truth. Mm-hmm. Let me speak the truth because I'm hearing you. And I, well, the way I'm talking to you right now is how I talk to her. You have to. 
You have you to. Have to and so I want to say this to all of you as again, you know, we can pretty much go on. We probably can do an eight hour special. Who knows? We might do a Facebook live. <laughs> I think That'd we, need to <laughs> we might need to do a live and live in color version of this is that. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I think we're going to do that because we've got to experience that part. Mm. But what I want to tell you, and these are my closing thoughts that I love to share is that you have the power and authority to transform your situation. Mm -hmm. So get clear about who you are so that you can be very confident about who you're called to be. And you can now be consistent on how you are called to serve. And those three things, clarity, confidence, and consistency is going to not only help you walk through the glass, but thrive and begin the life, give you the opportunity to live the life that you dream and that you desire. And if that is not something that just makes you kind of just shimmy in your seat a little bit, mm-hmm. then say it again, that you have the power and the authority to transform your situation no matter what it is. And you can definitely begin to work on that by listening to every episode of Walking Through Glass yes, <laughs> yes, and sharing it. I'm telling you that if this resonates with you and you know somebody, please share it with them because I'm telling you that the stories and the sharing and the women that are coming on this show, they are giving you some real talk, some real situations, and my goodness, some powerful, powerful diva hacks to help you walk through the glass. And as your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Until next time, please continue to walk through the glass and give yourself grace. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.